0: Amen. It's good to be here tonight. Good to have the opportunity to preach. Uh, Thank you, Pastor, uh, for the opportunity. Thank you for all that you do to invest in me and my family and this church. Amen. Give Pastor a hand tonight. You know, Brother Clendenin always said, he said, I know God's not giving up on a generation when he's still calling young people. Amen. You know, we've got a a handful of young people, and and two out of of the amount that we have, two out of five, have been called in the ministry. One's been called, felt the call for several years. One was, uh, God placed a call on his life last year during youth camp. I know God's not done with this generation, amen? He's not done with his people. He's not done with his church. And I'm just happy to be a part of what God's doing. I want to back up for just a moment to that last song that we sing, wade into the water, wade out a little bit deeper. You know, the earliest memories of church for me was in a little small family church. Sometimes we were in an industrial garage, and, you know, they had big garage doors on the side, and they, they had big uh, curtains hung up with Scripture painted on it and stuff like that. And, you know, I was four, five, six years old, but I could remember my aunt singing that song. Step into the water, wade out just a little bit deeper. And out of all the songs that they sang and all the things that they, you know, that was sang in that church, that's one thing that stuck out to me. And the Lord brought it to my memory yesterday as we were standing there in the altar service and asked my wife to sing that tonight. But little did I know that, uh, that you know, through that and, and, the, and the words of that song that, you know, it says step into the water, but then it says wade out just a little bit deeper. Little did I know that Pastor's message this morning, was—you know I was going to kind of piggyback off of that. Didn't know what he was going to say, had no idea. But I believe that the Lord has timed it perfectly and laid this word on my heart. And I believe that this morning, as we stepped into that water and we learned that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can keep us from that. I want you to know tonight that we're going to go just a little bit deeper. And I'll expand on that in just a minute. But if you would stand with me. And open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 10. And then again, uh, we're going to go into Luke chapter 24. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and 11 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How many want to stand against the wiles of the devil tonight? You know, I'm glad that that verse says, Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Not my might, not your might, not our might, not what we could do together, but in the power of His might. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon ye, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. If you lift your hands towards heaven tonight, help me pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak for you. God, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross tonight, that you would speak through me, that I would just be a vessel which you could use. God, I pray that you'd come across with heaven's plow, that you plow up the fallow ground of these hearts tonight. God, that you would plant your, your word in their hearts, God, that you would move upon us, Lord, that you'd call us out deeper, that you would call us into the deeper things of God, that we could be equipped to stand against the wiles of the enemy, that we could overcome the flesh, that we can overcome the things of this world. God, I just ask you, Lord, that you'd give me the anointing that makes preaching effective tonight, the anointing that can break yokes of bondage, God, we just ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated for. I want to talk to us for just a moment tonight on this thought: preparing for battle. We as a people of God must realize that we're in a fight. We're in a war. There's something at every turn that's biding for your attention, for your time that's pleading to take up real estate in your mind. There's something out there waiting to influence you, to persuade you, to seduce you. Who would have ever thought, some of, some of you that's been, around, that's been around the sun more times than I, who would have ever thought that people would get paid to be inter, internet influencers? That people could make a living being influencers on social media? We, you know, there's people out there, there's tons of millions of them, but there's people out there who are, I mean, living in, in a half million dollar houses, you know, that don't work. They're, they're influencers. They're getting sponsors from, from, from this person and that company and this line and that rug line and all this stuff, but influencers. In a, in a world that's being influenced, one thing tonight, you know, the world's out there, they're eating, drinking, and being merry right now. Super Bowl. You know, we're in the drive-thru at lunch, and um, they had a sign on the window that says we're going to be closing 30 minutes after kickoff so that our employees can enjoy Super Bowl. And my little girl asked me, said, what's Super Bowl? I must be doing something right. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> not knocking you if you go home and watch the rerun, whatever, but it is for me and my house. I'm doing something right. Amen? But in a world full of influence, there's always something biding for your time, biding for your attention, something to seduce you, something to take up real estate in your mind. There's something out there waiting, lurking, wanting your attention. Satan's tools have changed, but his tactics remain the same. He wants wants you to question God just as Eve did. He He wants to rob your time with God just like he did with Adam. He asked Eve, he said, has God said? Later on after the fall, God come down to commune with Adam. The Bible says that he come down in the cool of the day and he walked with Adam every day. But uh, hell robbed him from that time. Adam's actions robbed him from that time with God. He wants to do that to you tonight. He longs to drag you through the trial just as he did Job. When you feel like it's over, he'll entice you to curse God and die. He wants to tempt you on the mountaintop just as he did Jesus. Jesus had fasted 40 days, and the Bible says he was tempted of the devil. Many of us were moved beyond anywhere we had ever been in the Lord during our, our, our week of fasting and prayer, during our 21 days of renewal. Many of us drew closer than ever before, determining in ourselves that we were going to go stand strong and mighty for God. He wants you to deny the Lord just as Peter did. For many of us, that 21 days wasn't over before hell had met us at the door. Hell came knocking. His fiery darts came flying in. And for some, you were able to dodge them. For some, you were wounded. And for some, you were left to die spiritually. But I'm here to tell you tonight, no matter where you fall in that lineup. God of all the earth wants you to know that you could get back up. You could put on the armor of God. He can equip you tonight with the right right weaponry to fight this good fight. He can equip you tonight with the right weapons to fight the good fight of faith. How many knows if you're going to battle, you want the right weapons? Amen? I want to read you in the Amplified, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. The Amplified says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. It says, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your your union with him and in the power his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armored, armored soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. Draw your strength from Him. Something rose up in my spirit when I began to read that. Draw your strength from Him. You know, we stand all the time, we talk about, I tell the young people, it's not in your strength, it's not in my strength, but in His strength. Well, tonight I hope with the Lord's help that we can learn how, to, how do we can tap into that strength. And, it, and those of us who know, if we've forgotten, we can, we can relearn those ways and we could tap back into the strength. Those that are weak and tired, those that are grown weary, we, could, we can re- dip back into that river and we could touch those, li- those waters, those living waters once again, and we could draw from His strength. It says, be empowered through your union with Him. What does that mean? Through your relationship with Him. If we're going to draw power from them, we've got to have a relationship from them. If I'm going to get electricity in my house, I've got to have union with that substation or that power source. Amen? There's got to be a connection there. If I'm going to draw power from God, there's got to be a connection in my life with Him. I've got to have a union with Him. I've got to have something that connects me to heaven. Amen? And that's prayer. That's the Word of God. That's, 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 that's me giving of myself to prayer and communion with him. That's it's a friendship, it's a relationship. You say, how do we do that? I thought you had never asked. The Bible says, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Again, the Amplified says, says of, of being endued with power from on high. The Amplified says, clothed or fully equipped with power from on high. <laughs> I want to be clothed tonight. I want to be fully equipped with power from on high. I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared. I want to be fully equipped. I want all that God has for me. You know, I like accessories. My wife doesn't need to say amen. But I, I like things, uh, you know, uh, 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 man tool, tools or toys or whatever you want to call it. I Tell people all the time I've got too many hobbies, but uh, with those hobbies comes tools, toys, uh, accessories, all those things. You know, and there's some tools that are necessary for the job. And, you know, I love it when my wife asks me to do something and, and I'm like, well, yeah, I can do it, but I'm going to need this, this, and this. You know, you kind of got to work that in there where you can. But, you know, some of those tools are necessary to do the job, but some of them are just accessories. Some of them are just, they just make the job a little bit easier. But they're nice to have, amen? But in this battle tonight, I want all that God has for me. Every tool that he has is a necessity. It's not an an optional accessory. It's not something that you can get by without. I'm here to tell you tonight that if you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, if you're going to quench those fiery darts, if you're going to make it in this end time, you need all that God has for you. You need his armor. I want to go into battle fully equipped with everything that he's got. I'm not talking about natural things here tonight. No, sir, no, ma'am. I'm speaking of something mighty in the spirit, something that we can tap into that will change our lives. It will change how we serve Jesus, it'll change how we look at the world. It will change our definition of church. It will change how we talk, how we act, and how we witness. You said, Brother Corey, I thought that's what salvation did. It's going to make that better. Amen. This come to make that better. That changed me, but this is going to take me deeper. Salvation is stepping into the water. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is going out just a little bit deeper. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost tonight. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Ghost can change everything that you know about this Christian walk. You know, uh, during our 21 days, pastor said, read a book. You know, so I took him up on that. With all the free time I had on my hand, I got... I read a Facebook, I had time to read a book. So I began, uh, for, I read uh, one book that I had read before, and then after that, I went into a book called uh, Run Baby Run by Nikki Cruz. And if you not, have not read that, I highly recommend it. But one thing that, that really touched me and, and spoke to me is uh, Nikki Cruz, uh, for those of you that don't know, he was a gang member. He was in a teenage gang in the city of New York. Uh, in a, a very rough time in the, in the late 50s. And David Wilkerson was called. God spoke to him to go to the inner city of New York for, for gang members that were on trial. And he never got to, to meet with those boys that were on trial for murder. But in, in his going and searching, following the will of God, he ran into Nikki Cruz. And as he's preaching on the street, you know, and after that, the, the leaders of the gang, two, two of the gangs that come up, there that night, they were called to the front to speak to uh, Brother Wilkerson. And one thing that uh, Nikki said to him when he tried to show love and things like that is, "Is that uh, is that, I'll kill you. He flat out told him, he said, I will kill you. And, and just the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost in this preacher. He said, "Nikki, you could cut me into a thousand pieces and lie me in the street, but a thousand those thousand pieces will cry out, I love you. Nikki Cruz was a teenager who, who never felt love. He was rejected by his mother. His mother called him the son of Satan. He didn't know what love is. But that night, uh, he says a skinny old white preacher told him that he loved him. But Nikki got saved just a, a few weeks, a few months later after that in a, in a crusade and dramatically changed his life, totally changed his life, was called into the ministry, and Brother Wilson sent him to Bible school. And he was in Bible school in, in California, a boy from Puerto Rico, moved to New York, now he's, in, he's saved, living for God, called to preach. He's in California in a Bible school. And God dramatically changed his life. He delivered him from the drugs. He delivered him from the gang life, from from wanting to kill, from wanting to, to fight. He delivered delivered him from all those things. But there were still some things that Nicky struggled with. He struggled to pay attention in class. He said he was fidgety. He just he couldn't get it. Some things were hard to come by and all that. And, and he was ready to quit. He called. He wrote a letter to... Uh, David Wilkson. said he's wanting to come home. Ask him to send money. You know, he, he pretty much told him keep on keeping on, and we ain't got no money to bring you home, so just stay there. He reached out to somebody else for money to come home, and then he he went to the dean of the school. The dean of the school sat him down. And he said, "Nikki, you need the Holy Ghost." He spent hours with him. He said, "Nikki, you need the Holy Ghost." Nikki began to seek the Holy Ghost. For I think some couple weeks but there in that Bible school he said he gave this testimony that he was in chapel every night until 11 12 o'clock at night seeking the Holy Ghost seeking the Holy Ghost just couldn't for some reason he just couldn't get filled he couldn't get filled and then there was another boy that come running by one night and he come running across the parking lot shouting praising God he said I just got filled with the Holy Ghost he said where at he said in that classroom by this desk when Nikki went went to that same classroom that same desk seeking the Holy Ghost he just wanted to be where God was he just wanted to be filled he knew there was something he could tap into that he didn't have well he didn't get it that night the next day he was going to pack up and leave that school he was going to get on a bus and run away and go back to wherever I don't remember where he said he was going but somebody came to his dorm he said Nikki I'm preaching at this church down uh down the way and I want you to come with me and he said no he said, I'm not going, I'm too tired, I've been staying up late, all this, I'm not going tonight. Knowing that he was going to try, to, he was going to get on the bus and leave. Well, the guy was persistent. didn't let him leave, didn't let him leave. He said, I'm not leaving till you go. He said, we may just may be late. He said, but you're going with me. Well, reluctantly, he went with them. And that night during the altar call, he began to hear a man sitting beside him. He was cold throughout the whole service. But he began to hear this old man weep beside him, thanking Jesus, praising Jesus. And something rose up inside of him, and he ran to that altar and, and knelt down on that altar and wept and cried. And God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. And his friend went to tap him on the shoulder. He said, come on, i got to get you back to school. He said, no, not yet. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. He said, no, no I've got, you've got to get back to school. He said, not yet. He said, he said, what time is it? He looked around. Everybody was gone. It was like 11 o'clock at night. He'd been in that altar for three hours praying in the Holy Ghost, weeping and crying before God. But I said all that to say this, that all those things that Nicky struggled with, all those things that he, he was ready to leave Bible school and forget the call of God because he couldn't do it, he wasn't enough, the Holy Ghost come and made, took all that away. he become a fantastic student. He was able to pay attention. All his fidgety went away. All those things that distracted him, the Holy Ghost come and endued him with a power from on high. To be baptized in the Holy Ghost is, is, is to take your walk with God to a whole new level. Something deeper that, desires, that God desires for all who are born again. We all know the story of how Peter, how Peter was. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was a follower of Jesus. He was in Christ's inner circle. He even questioned the Lord at the Last Supper. He said, Lord, is it I that will portray you? Well, I be the one? He loved the Lord. He walked with him. He learned of him. Yet on the worst day of Christ's life, he denied him three times. How can a man so close to Christ, how can a man so close to the Messiah who spent three years with them, going everywhere he went, Listening to his teachings, listening to the to the to the teachings about heaven, about the Father, about the things on earth, the things to come. How could he, one of the elect, betray or deny Christ? I'm gonna tell you. The Bible says in Mark 14 and 54, it says, and Peter followed from afar off. Let that sink in for just a moment. Mark 14 and 54, and Peter followed him afar off, even unto the place of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. He was still following Jesus, he was still going where he went. In essence, he was still in church, he was still serving, he was probably still in his Sunday best. After all, they just left the Passover, right? He looked apart, but what happened? He began to follow afar off. Simple as that. You could be in the house tonight following from afar. You can fool everyone around you. You could pray in the altars. You can fool your parents. You can fool those around you. You can fool the pastor. You could pay your tithe. You could wait tables at the fellowship but you can still follow from afar. We know that Peter was still an earshot of Jesus because in Luke twenty-two sixty-one it says, after he had denied him, it says, the Lord turned and looked upon Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 62, it says, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Here's a man that before Christ was to die, he denied him three times. Somebody that he loved, somebody that he was willing to kill for, just a few verses earlier. But now, under utter embarrassment, he runs out weeping over his failure. Pastor talked this morning of how nothing can separate us when we aren't enough. When we don't have enough strength, when we don't have enough fortitude, enough ability, Christ's love covers and draws us and makes a way of escape for us. You see, Peter could have let this be his demise. He could have given up right there, but he didn't. We go on to read in John 21 and 15. It says, so when they had dined, Jesus. this is after Jesus had arose from the dead and he was walking the 40 days on earth. He, He come out to the disciples. They were fishing. And they come in and with the fish, and they, it said, After that they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. And 17, he says, saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Peter's repentance was when he went and wept and cried bitterly. This is the next, next interaction with Jesus after, he, after Jesus arose. And Jesus had mercy on him, had grace. He forgave. But now he's calling Peter to a deeper place. Now he's calling Peter to go further. He's calling deeper than he was before. He knows that what he had before wasn't was was, 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 was wasn't enough to keep him when times got tough. He knows that what he had before wasn't enough to go to the ends of the earth. He knows that what he had before wasn't going to sustain him. It wasn't enough. In verse 18, uh, Christ prophesies of Peter's death. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. That means that he went wherever he wanted to go when he was younger. He said, But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. Another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. He was prophesying of Peter's death, that Peter was going to die on a cross like Christ. That Peter was going to be crucified because of the cause of Christ. You know, just a few moments. You know, just just a few moments before, or a few days before, Peter denied him, and now here it is. Christ is saying, well, Christ prophesied that Peter was going to deny him, told him, said, you're going to deny me before the cock crows thrice. He said, but now, just a little while later, after Jesus arose, he's saying, you're going to die on a cross just like I did. You're going to die for my cause. You're going to die for the cause of the gospel. He said, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted. He said, but they're going to bind you up. They're going to take you. They're going to lead you before the men. They're going to crucify you just like they did me. And you're going to withstand this time. You're not going to deny. When I was reading that before I got to all of it, something rose up in me when it said that that someone when you're old someone else is going to gird you and take you up. And for a moment there, I was thinking of the Holy Ghost and how He's going to take His places where we wouldn't go in ourselves. Amen. I'm not trying to twist Scripture tonight, but something in my spirit when I read that I began to run and think about how there's things that I wouldn't do in the flesh, there's things that I couldn't do in myself, but when when Peter was old, when he was baptized in the Holy Ghost, he can now go to that cross, he can endure because the power that's with endued from on high. There's a power within us tonight that God wants to put in us. He's going to take us places where we couldn't go before. He's going to equip us to do things we couldn't do before. He's going to call us into places and things to say that we couldn't say before. But we got to be endued we've got to be equipped Christ asked do you love me feed my sheep feed my sheep a man who once died that he denied that he knew Jesus would eventually pay the ultimate sacrifice in like manner for the cause of the gospel I want to pose this question tonight this is an excellent title to a sermon I almost changed it but maybe another time I want to pose this question tonight. What happened to Peter between denial and crucifixion? Somewhere between denial and crucifixion. Acts chapter 2 starts off. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in all accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto, him clo- unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we read earlier Acts 1 and 8 that says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea. Unto the othermost parts of the earth. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost, fifty days, approximately fifty days after his denial, after his utter failure, Peter was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Being filled with power from on high, he preached on the day of Pentecost, and over three thousand people were saved. Folks, if we're going to go to battle tonight, if we're going to, if we're going to battle against the devil, if we're going to battle the flesh, overcome the flesh, overcome the world. We've got to be endued with power from on high. We've got to be baptized in the Spirit, put on the whole armor of God. If the church is going to be effective today, we have to have the Holy Ghost. If we're going to overcome the flesh, the world, and the devil, we've got to have the Holy Ghost. God wants men and women full of the Holy Ghost. He longs to use us in this last hour. God is looking for a vessel that He could yield that can yield their self for His will. God's looking for a vehicle that He could use in this last hour. Brother Clendenin preached that all throughout the school. God's looking for a vehicle in which He can express Himself. God's looking for a church that will yield their self to Him so that He could express Himself to a lost and dying world. God doesn't need our talents and our abilities. He wants a vessel. He wants a vehicle which He can express Himself. You and I must yield Learn to yield. How do we do that? Prayer, fasting, putting off the flesh, seeking God, being full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? The Bible says some of these things come not but by prayer and fasting. Fasting, we're putting off the flesh. We're putting off, we're subjecting ourselves, we're we're suppressing ourselves so that Christ could reign, Christ could rule, so that something other than ourselves can have preeminence. We're saying I'm putting you on the back burner because there's something greater I want to bring to the forefront. There's something greater that I want to work in me than, than myself. Something greater than what I could do. I want the almighty power of God to work through. So I've got to put myself off. I've got to put myself down. I've got to submit myself so that Jesus could work and be, a, be in and through me and use me for his will. Uh, The church, uh, quote, I'm going to read you from E.M. Bounds. It says, The church of today is constantly constantly looking to programs and things for growth and enlargement, often losing sight of the man or, or sinking the man in the plan of the organization. God's plan is to make much of the man, far more of him than anything else. Men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God's looking for better men. That convicted me. Amen? He said, uh, you know, uh, my memory leaves me, but something in the Bible it says that he looked to and fro in the earth. I think he was talking to Job. He said he looked to and fro in the earth looking for a righteous man. I want him to look no further than me. Amen? I want to be that person. They said, God is looking for better men. God does not anoint plans, but men of prayer. Men filled with the Holy Ghost. God's not going to anoint a program. He anoints men and women of God. Men and women full of the Holy Ghost. That's who he anoints. You know, many years ago, when I first moved here, Brother Chad gave me a CD. And it was a tape of Brother Daryl Turner preaching a message in this pulpit. Probably somewhere in the 90s, -90s, mid-90s, late-90s. The title of that message is, is, In Times Like These We Need the Anointing. It's back there in the office. If you want a copy, we'll make you one. Amen? It's on a shelf back there on a cassette tape. It says, In Times Like These We Need the Anointing. I don't want to bore you with stories tonight, but I believe this is powerful. It's something that I've always remembered. I haven't heard that message in years. I think this... He got left in a truck or something or car vehicle they got traded in at some point or sold and you know I don't have it so I need to get a fresh copy but but as I remember this story he talks about this drug addict and he talks about a man who had went to a clinic to a public clinic and he's on heroin and he's addicted by this drug and he went in and he's wanting to be set free he gets he says I want to get tested the doctor recognized him him. he says you can come in we can test you you know so he gets tested. and it comes back you know he's got heroin in his system and the doctor says look son you can keep coming back here all you want he said but once a heroin addict always a heroin addict you know the state's going to pour money and try to help you and whatever you can he said I'm just going to tell you there's no hope he said, and he was just bummed. He said, there's no hope for me, Doc. He said, I'm afraid not. There's no hope. That man began to walk away depressed. He's walking down a sidewalk. As Brother Turner tells a story, he says he walked by this storefront church, and he could hear them singing and praising God. He slipped in. To that church and he felt the presence of God. He felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost in that place. He went down and gave his life to God. He went down. God cleansed him. He cleaned him. He saved him. He sanctified him. He set him on a path to victory. He was happy. He was excited. He was loving Jesus. He went back to that clinic. He says, Doc, I want you to test me. He said, not you again. Not you again. He said, all right, we'll test you. I told you we would. If the state's going to pay for it, you know, just test you as much as you want. So they ran the test, and, you know, the doctor picked up the results, and you know, he was going to give his normal spiel. And he looked down, and he's like, well, he said, you're clean. He said, Doc, I'm clean? I'm clean? He said, yeah, you're clean. There's no heroin in your system. He said, but I've got to know. You found a cure. He said, we've got to tell people about this. We've got to know what is this that made you clean. How did you get off of heroin? He said, you can't get off of that stuff. He said, I'll tell you, doc. He said, I found Jesus. I found Jesus. The doctor hung his head in his disappointment. He said, oh, that's it, huh? He said, what you mean, doc? That's it. doctor said, well, I'm afraid you just found a crutch. He said, is that it, doc? Just a crutch? Just a crutch? He said, I'm afraid so. He said, well, doc, if it's just a crutch, can you put another one under this arm? Because it's the greatest thing i felt in all my life. We need the anointing, folks. It's the anointing that breaks yoga of bondage. It's the anointing that sets a captive free. It's the anointing that makes this preaching of his word effective. It's the anointing that makes the body of believers just fitly joined together in unity. It's the anointing that the river flows out of, people. Amen? It's the anointing. We have the answer, folks. Jesus said, "Tarry until you be endued with power from on high. That is a power that truly sets a person free. The power that sets a soul ablaze for the kingdom of God. The battle in the mind. More addicts return to their addiction because of the battle in the mind. You and I get stuck in sin by the battle in our mind. One thing that uh, David Wilkerson talked about in, in his uh, in his early years of Teen Challenge, is he was he he was having success rates. He was having those that were successful and those that were returning back to their old life. And he wanted to, and he set out one day to to know really understand why are those turning back? What 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 is what's the reason those are turning back and going back into drug addiction and back into their old life? So he set out to go one morning and he went around and asked those that were. Um, that we're being successful and that we're walking in with the Lord and staying clean and doing all these things. And one by one, he, he went to them individually and he asked, when was it that you really knew that you had power over that sin and you had power over that addiction? And what really set you free? He said, he said you know, they, they each one by one. said, Davy, he said, it, it was, you know, when I was saved, I was set free. God did a work. He said, but it was when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost that I really become free. He said, when I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, each one of them, one after one after the other, said it was after that I was baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Word of God doesn't say be endued with the power for for no reason. There's a purpose in that. There's a power in that. The Holy Ghost is power. The Holy Ghost has come to help you, to keep you, that which we commit to Him. The Holy Ghost is power tonight. But 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 the addicts, you know, that more of them go back because of the battle in their mind. One thing that he talks about, and, and, and I'm sorry this is all coming out. I hope it's useful to somebody. I believe the Lord's leading this way. But it said one thing that that, that they come to know in, in those days was that a person on drugs and, and a person bound by sin, whatever it was, he said they would come through the physical. Withdrawal of whatever it was, they would get through it. You know, some of it's three days, some of it's, you know, this many days or this many hours and all that. And you literally go through hell physically coming off of that stuff. But those that returned to the former life, it it wasn't because of the draw physically, but it was because of the torment and the draw in their mind. It was the mind. Tonight, there are people struggling and battling and going to war in their mind over strongholds of things that have been laid down, things that they wanted to be set free, only to pick back up. Oftentimes, God sets us free from something physically. We overcome in the physical sense, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, cigarettes, anxiety, you, I mean, whatever the case may be, God will set you free from the physical addiction But your mind still remembers. Your mind still taunts you with memories and feelings. You begin to question as Eve did. Did God really say? Did God really set me free? Did God really do this in my life? Is this really that bad? Is this really keeping me from going deeper in God? Whatever the case might be. You know and and take it a step further those things which God has delivered us from. And, 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 and through trials and tribulations and struggles, you know, the things come back to memory and your failures and you feel like you're weak and you're worthless and you can't do nothing. But I'm glad that the Bible says that he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. God removes them from memory. God is all-knowing, but I heard a preacher say God can limit himself if he wants to, and he blots your sin out of memory. But for us, it lingers around in that mind. And it torments us, some of us, years down the road. It'll cripple us. Things in our mind, things that have been done to us from other people or things that we've done, things that we've, where we feel like we failed or expectations that we held high in our minds and we come short of, you know, they can begin to cripple us because we allow that to play on in our minds. Tonight, God wants to set your mind free. He's here tonight with arms stretched out saying, come unto me and I will give you rest. He wants you to enter into a rest and know that the fact is that his blood is enough. We have to take captive every thought of the enemy. We must not allow the flesh or hell to take up real estate in our minds any longer. We must stand. We must fill ourselves with Christ. That's what we've got to do, folks. It's only in him. It's only in his power and his strength. If you're born again, the blood cleanses you, or when you're born again, the blood cleanses you, washes you clean. Through sanctification, he wants to empty you of everything that you were, everything that you've been in the past, everything that's not of Jesus, but you can't stay empty. You can't stay empty lest those things come back. No, you have to be filled. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pastor told you this morning that nothing can separate you. From, from the love of God, I'm here to tell you tonight that just as nothing can separate you from His love, nothing can, can keep you from this Holy Ghost. For you're, If you're born again, it's for you. If you're a child of God, it's for you. It's the promise of the Father. You could still have it. You could walk in it. You could be filled. Those of you needing to be refilled, He's here to refill you even now. He's here to refill you even now. And musicians, if you would come, You know the Lord's prayer starts off with, uh, or, or right at the beginning says, "Give us this day our daily bread." And I read something over the past few weeks that really explained that and helped me. It says we must seek the Lord for today. I wondered exactly what that meant. I know my, my I may be a little bit slow at some things, but but in recent study, you know this 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 reading this book it really brought it out for me it says we are in measure when we pray give us this day our daily bread we are in a measure shutting tomorrow out of prayer we do not live in tomorrow but in today we do not seek tomorrow's grace or tomorrow's bread they thrive best they those that thrive best and get the most out of life are those who live in the present true prayers are born out of present trials and present needs bread for today is bread enough bread given for today is the strongest pledge that there will be bread tomorrow victory today is the assurance of victory tomorrow our prayers need to be focused upon the present we must trust God today and leave tomorrow entirely up to him The present is ours. The future belongs to God. Prayer is the task and duty of each recurring day. Daily prayer for daily needs. I've got to get what God has for me today. I can't store it up today for tomorrow. Today's prayers won't get me through tomorrow. Today's prayers won't get me through next week. I need what God has for me today. If I'll get what God has for me today, that's going to keep me coming back tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. You want to know why Peter failed? He followed from afar off. He didn't get all that the Lord had for him that day. Oftentimes I wonder, how am I going to keep going? I've got all these things, all these pressures in life. I've got work and youth and kids and and things at home and family and and all these things. I got family lives out of state. How am I going to be doing all these things and how am I going to keep the fire of God going? I struggled with that. It's just exhausting thinking about it. But it says I don't have to. I've just got to do it today. Today. Tonight, if you'll come God spoke to you, dealt with you. If you see your need to be filled, to be refilled, to be endued with power from on high, I want you to come tonight. I want you to get everything that God has for you tonight. I want you to allow him to prepare you for battle. There's families that, aren't, that are not that lost, loved ones that, that need Jesus. There's those that are sick. If we truly believe that God saves and God heals, if we really believed it, it would change how we pray. It will change how we walk. It will change how we talk. It will change how we live. If we truly believed that his, by His stripes we're healed, we could change the world. If we truly believed that He could save, if we truly believe that He could save anybody, it will change the way we pray. Tonight, if you need that power, if you want this Holy Ghost, you want to go deeper with God, I want to open these altars up to you. Come find you a place to pray.